How's it going? This is Mike Masarino with the Smart Firefighting Podcast, and happy 2020. Uh, this year, Kevin and I are going to try to sit down once a month and talk about, you know, what we're working on here, uh, you know, at Darley in the smart firefighting world, and maybe talk about some of the events that we've been to and some things that are coming up, and also some interesting technology uh, that maybe was released or has some uh, traction going. Uh, so to start off, Kevin was just out at CES uh, a week or two ago. Uh, Kevin, tell, tell me a little bit about CES. It was your first experience. So what were your thoughts? What were some cool technology? I think overwhelming would be a little bit of an understatement. Uh, I know you went maybe two years ago, but it, I've been to FDIC and a lot of trade shows. Sometimes my mom calls me trade show Kevin because I'm going to so many shows, but there's n- nothing I've ever seen that even comes close to CES. Uh, I mean, FDIC is huge, but I think it'd be safe to say that CES is at least five times bigger than um, FDIC. It's crazy. It's insane. Even yeah. like the auto show in Chicago or something like that. I mean, it's almost dwarfed yeah. by the size of It's CES. just nothing even compares. So that was really cool just to see the pure size. Um, but from that too, you, know, you want to see everything, but it's, it's almost impossible. And even if you're there for a week, you can't see it all. Um, but I was in the, I was with uh, spending a lot of time in the virtual reality area. Um, a couple companies I saw we're doing some really cool stuff with both 360 video in the box and photorealistic content. Um, some amazing things you can do with 360 video where you can capture different training scenes or even marketing scenes and replay that in a 360 video, not only with just a regular headset, but also with the cardboard headsets. And we've seen some cool departments like Consumers Fire Department did some really cool stuff with River where they created an amazing video and then about what to do when you see the sirens pull over, you know, don't be that guy and communicate and educate on that empathy and, and awareness of what to do. And it was really cool to see people using these cardboard headsets, just like a $3 piece of technology with your cell phone to watch a 360 video and be immersed. Um, so that was cool. I saw some other companies doing that. And then with photorealism, it's cool to see there was this one company that it looked like a shower booth that had probably about 300 cameras in it. And then based on how long you were in there, they could then turn you into a photorealistic person. And then with that, they had the software algorithm and then rendered it to where you could then be dancing or you could be running and you could be doing all these different things. And it kind of got me thinking, I know we've talked about Westworld, but particularly Black Mirror now, I've been thinking a lot about it where it's crazy to think if someone can create you in a digital representation of how they can re-render it and then do something else with you. Um, so it's amazing to think what you could do for good, but it's also really scary to think about what you could do bad with that. It's it, it's nuts. And some of the deep fakes out there, I don't know. I've gone down rabbit holes on YouTube with some of these deep fake videos. There was just a good one yesterday on Reddit where they deep faked uh, Joe Rogan in as uh, Dr. Evil in uh, – uh, Michael Myers, and you'd swear it was Joe Rogan and not Michael Myers. So, I mean, it was just unbelievable. That's great. The digital twin concept is crazy. I mean, it's great to think about digital twins within, I know some of our fire departments have talked, digital twins of buildings where you can create this digital twin with using the BIM files and 3D CAD files and then be able to re-render that and, and run simulations on it and yeah. really understand each and every exact nuance of that digital twin of the building. Digital Twin of Humans, also cool to think about what you can do, but also absolutely terrifying. Very terrifying. And, you know, you brought up a good point with the buildings. And, 
in your realm with the virtual reality, we do a little bit of laser scanning and reality capture. And that's uh, a company we work with called Leica Systems. And I know River uh, does a lot of work with Leica Systems as well to get the accurate representation of buildings or crime scenes or accidents, whatever it might be. Uh, but one question I had for you, kind of going back to 360 video, is that something that's getting easier for departments or, or people to create? Um, you know, what were your thoughts there? Because that's something, at least to me, it's always been hard. It's hard to create valid 360 video that, you know, it's not going to make us sick or it actually looks good. So what what are your thoughts there? Yeah, great question. I know video production, anyone can get a camera and start filming, and, and, and the editing, capturing editing has gotten easier. Um, it's still hard to create great stuff. But now with 360 video, the workflow process is incredibly easy. I've talked to people that were doing 360 video five, 10 years ago, and you had six SD cards and all this editing. And basically, unless you were a highly trained professional, you're not creating 360 video. Now you've got Insta360 and GoPro that are meshing two 180 cameras and then have software that link it to one SD card and you can do the editing on your phone. Like I'm just a regular Joe Blow dude that now has a 360 video camera and I'm showing people the stuff I'm doing and they are blown away. So it's really cool to think about what you can do with 360 video where now it's easy to edit and you can do really two main things. One, you can capture a scene and then do some slight editing and render it and put it into a headset and think about training for first responders, let's say building entry, whether it's uh, scene size up, so many different things that you can train on. But what else is really cool with it is you can, with a 360 video, capture any scene of that and render it into a 2D video. So you could be looking back one second then looking forward then look to the right. So it really gives you creativity to be able to capture and use any part of the scene. And one thing that we're excited about, and this is something we're going to start talking about more in the Smart Firefighting community, is that we know that 360 video needs to be contextual for the firefighter. And if we are not creating content that actually is relevant to them, then it's really just sort of a fun tool and fun kind of marketing thing. And we want it to be a valuable, life-saving training tool. Um, so I think what we're looking to do, and we'll talk more about this, is we want to partner with the GoPros and Insta360s of the world and see around FDIC timeframe, how can we empower first responders, firefighters, and teach them how to create the content, provide them the, the cameras, and really incentivize people to develop content for this 360 video library so everyone can train on these different tactics. As we know, it, as there are a lot of similarities, similarities across the fire service, but practices in Georgia is slightly different than Oregon compared to Texas and Maine. Um, so now because of the workflow and the technology is, is really become cheap enough and easy enough, we see 360 video training as gonna, is going to be a really significant piece of first responder training in the next, you know, starting tomorrow, um, but hopefully a lot more in the next couple of years. That's great. Anything else on virtual reality? Uh, I think VR that yes. that that was there's some other really cool augmented reality stuff. You know, you mentioned the 3D scanner. It's really cool to think once you get a 3D scanned item, you can then take that asset and turn it into something that you can render within an AR environment. So you can use some of the off-the-shelf iOS software. So really cool to think what you can do from just a marketing standpoint, but then also how you can use some of these really low-cost 
AR headsets. I mean, there's that one company called Mirror, Mirror Labs. Mm -hmm. They're doing amazing stuff with using very low cost headsets, using your phone to where you can have a full AR sort of remote expert and sort of uh, scene documentation process. And so AR as well, I think, is now no longer pie in the sky, but stuff where you're seeing a lot of significant value in the telecom industry and something I know groups like FirstNet and AT&T and Verizon are very interested in the maintenance aspect of it. So we'll see more of the AR side. Um, but besides that, I think that was that was probably what got my most attention at, at CES. And then then that was just one little haul. That's just one haul. One, so one little haul. The one I asked, wanted to ask you about was robotics. Uh, you know, my background in doing drones here, I'm always curious, you know, what – what did you see there? What was cool? What stuck out to you? I know I got a video clip of, uh, it was a little grainy, so I'm like, what am I looking at here? And you're like, it's a, it's a drone under a waterfall. Yeah, it's a drone just getting crushed by water. Yeah. I mean, there, as you can imagine, it's just drones on steroids. There's just all different types of drones and robotics. I mean, you walk in, you see this one robot that can play anyone in ping pong. And at first I was like, why don't you just like get a friend to play ping pong with? But I guess if you're like an Olympian, it's probably nice to have a robot to play. Uh, not everyone's got Forrest Gump <laughs> yeah. in their backyard. Yeah, I guess not. Uh, so I think that that was obviously pretty crazy. And then just a lot of the really amazing drone companies out there. I mean, of course, you got DJI, you got Autel, and a couple other companies that were new to me. But really impressive to just see the size of these things coming down, the ability to have these different payloads from the cameras and the sensors, the stability of these things. And then I sent you that one video, you know, they always talk about water resistant, but this, this one drone that I saw, it was just getting crushed by water. Like it was like a full on downpour and it was, it was no big deal. Um, so I think the water resistance is really impressive on these drones. Um, and then another thing that we, I know we've been talking a lot about is not only aerial drones, but land drones and water drones. And so thinking, but then first response are so many times where we put first responders at risk, where granted, sometimes a human has to do something, but if there's the 90% of the time where a human maybe doesn't have to be at risk and we could use a water or land robot to go do an inspection or to go look for a downed car or to go try and rescue someone that may be out in the, a lake or somewhere. I mean, there are these off-the-shelf technologies now. Uh, Emily is uh, one particular. There's another comp couple companies from China. Uh, just a lot of really cool tech from land and water. Um, and I know you've, you've had some experience with that. So any of those think to you as, as, as being something that you see making an impact in 2020 for first responders? Or what's your take on the both not only the air, but the land and the sea robots? Yeah. Um you know, we've really looked at a lot of waterborne uh, systems. We have experience with ground-based, and everybody uh, knows about drones. Drones have really been uh, almost the tip of the iceberg for, uh, you know, new, this new revolution of technology that's starting to hit first responders, I firmly believe, uh, that, you know, it's going to lead to so much more, and that's some of the fun stuff that, um, you know, we're working on in the community. Um, as far as 2020, I see drones taking another massive step forward. Uh, you know, we're still looking at the numbers, and it's still less than 10% of agencies have, have developed a drone program. So I expect to see that number to climb uh, a lot more in 2020 um, from 
other new technology. I, I, I do believe that we're going to start seeing more waterborne uh, based systems, um, uh, things of that nature, because the price and the, the technology has gotten better and the price has become more realistic. Uh, you know, in the past when we've been working with some of these military-grade systems that have been around for a long time, not every department has, you know, that type of budget to deploy that type of equipment. Uh, but now it's it's a lot more feasible, and it's kind of in that budgetary range where it's it's realistic. Yeah, I know that the previous military robots have just been, like, over six figures, and you have a lot of these robots that are just not even in the realm of first responder budgets. Um, but now you're seeing maybe creative ways to buy as well as ways where these robots aren't as expensive. I mean, one in particular that I know we've seen a lot of interest with is, is the bounce imaging product. Mm-hmm. That product is you know, under $5,000, yep. something totally affordable where it's a, again, actually a bunch of cameras that can be rendered in the 360 video that you can use for inspection. And yep. I know that one of the success stories, they talk about how that was used for uh, in Dallas to help locate that Dallas sniper a couple years ago where they didn't put a human at risk, but they threw this bounce imaging in there and got a visual perspective and they knew how to take action. And like, to me, that is such an amazing way of using off-the-shelf technology that can be applied today to save first responders and allow them to keep the community safer. Yeah, definitely. And that's the, you know, if, if there's any technology companies out there and, and, and you have a product that you feel would benefit, uh, you know, the first responder community, please reach out to us. Um, you know, we want to be a resource for you. We want to help bring new technology that just keeps first responders safe. So, yeah, bounce imaging being a great one. You know, we just had that product out at Intersect this week. Um, you know, as a company, Darley, who Kevin and I both work for, you know, we do almost 200 trade shows a year, and we're always uh, tooting a smart firefighting horn uh, at any of the trade shows we go to, which which happens to be quite a lot. But um, you know, bounce imaging, yeah, that's a, that's another exciting one. Uh, it's one that uh, I often I don't forget about, uh, but it's not necessarily a robot. Um, you know, it's just such a practical product. Uh, that when people see it, they're like, wow, I can think of a million different ways I can use that. Yep, and I like your point, too, of that we are looking for any type of technology that's pertinent or relevant to first responders, and it doesn't necessarily have to be the obvious thing. It, and we've talked about VR and drones, and granted, those are, yeah, it's like those seem to have, make a lot of sense for first responders, but really everything is on the table as it pertains to how we can make first responders better, safer, faster at their job in the community. And, and, and on that, one thing that is that was maybe interesting me is there's a lot of t- tech going on in concurrent industries that are maybe not boiling over to the first responder industry. One, for example, that I saw at CES quite a bit is there's a lot on the smart home. And we talk about making the home super smart and building super smart, and that's great. But once you're capturing this data within the smart home, what are you doing with it and how are you making it valuable? And you see the smart water detectors, smart power detectors, smart everything in the home. And, and my question is always, right, well, great to save on money, but how can we you know, take that digital twin of the house? How can we take the information of a, of a house leak or a sprinkler systems on or take all that and be able to relay that to in an instant command situation to a first responder so they know what actually is going on in the household. Yeah, yeah and that's, uh, that's one area, you know, we can get into a big rabbit hole talking about smart cities and smart homes and 
all the data, you know, and just even our Google Homes and our Nest thermometers. Now I feel like everybody's got a video doorbell. Um, you know, how how can first responders take advantage, not advantage, but, um, you know, use that information to their ability? Now all of a sudden, if I have a structure fire, can I identify how many people are in that building using that information? Um, you know, pets, anything like that, can I identify maybe where that heat's coming from? based off of the the smoke detector uh you know which was the first one to trigger was it upstairs okay well our fire is likely upstairs um you know there's information there that we can provide first responders as they're arriving or even before they're arriving to the scene so when we start thinking about smart cities and and sensors and in buildings we can start identifying data that's going to keep our first responders safe and make more effective decisions yeah, so I think the the nugget from that is if you're an innovator or you're an entrepreneur and you're starting to develop technology for concurrent industry, always think about how that data or information could be leveraged to help first responders. Yeah. That, that, that's another data set that maybe can be leveraged and sold in some capacity or tied into another incident command software. Uh, there's some really cool companies, whether it's First Two or, or Firegraph, Natage, they're just doing amazing things with data. And so if you're creating data somehow uh, at scale, that data can be deployed for good. Definitely. And, and that was you know, another big thing at, at CES is just thinking about all the artificial intelligence. And you know, artificial intelligence, it's not necessarily physical. It's more of kind of like a software in the sky computer type thing of trying to understand. But it's, it's really amazing of how we can use data sets and run them through these different algorithms and artificial intelligence to then spit out information that can be valuable. And that always ties, I always think for first responders, how that ties into, okay, I'm arriving to a scene and I have five minutes to go from the firehouse to this active fire where there's potentially 10 people on the second floor and there's all these other ha risk hazards out there. Like we don't, even the smartest human in the world cannot process all this data by themselves. They need some type of AI to take in all this data. I mean, the dispatcher can help and humans can help, but frankly, the human brain is only capable to a certain extent. Uh, so we, and it's also, this is the scary part when thinking like becoming more reliant on AI and computer systems to help us do our job. And every day I continue to feel like we're just like moving into the matrix or, or some Westworld reality. Um, but having said that, that's the time we live, and I'm not trying to question our, our, you know, our current sense of reality, but I, I think it's the AI portion of it for first responders has such an enormous opportunity gain to help with efficiencies just because we, it's a matter of seconds. And if AI can save 30 seconds, 10 seconds, 5 seconds to better equip first responders' information, that's, you know, that, to me, that's some of the most exciting opportunities with AI in our space. Absolutely, I couldn't agree more. No, that's awesome. And, um, you know, just a, a couple other things I wanted to touch on, uh, you know, just some news and, and some things that have been shaking in uh, the smart firefighting community. Uh, Haas Alert uh, and, and Pierce just announced a partnership. Uh, this was January 6th. So now um, collision avoidance is going to be standard uh, on, on custom apparatus from Pierce. So Haas Alert's been uh, part of our smart firefighting community almost since day one. Um, you know, we've been a big fan of, of, of their tech and the digital alerting of drivers through navigation apps, uh, uh, where first responders are coming from, and 
how first responders are interacting with the general public driving on the roads as distracted drivers. So uh, congrats to Hostler. Um, you know, we've done a lot of work with Pierce as well. I mean, that's uh, it's exciting to see, and it's exciting to see more of that technology actually hitting uh, uh, trucks on the road. Yep. Is there any... Yeah, a couple that I know from companies that we've been looking at and have, d- have done some cool podcasts in the past. Uh, 3AM Innovations got a really exciting uh, sort of joint grant with the Bird Foundation. Um, you can sort of Google it and we'll post it on here. But it was it's a joint initiative between the Israel and U.S. Department of Homeland Security. And 3AM is the is a wearable technology that helps to locate Z-axis for in the building, also sub-T, and doing some really cool other concurrent innovations with their software on really helping with locational positioning using your phone uh, for wildland applications. So they've really been making a lot of progress and developments on their hardware and software. And in this Bird Foundation grant is is really a testament to where they're at. Um, Another really exciting wearable tech that has had some good progress. Firehood has been awarded a a couple different grants, uh, but I know one in particular, the um, working with the Air Force, and they got an SBIR, which you can Google and find information on that. So Firehood, 3M, both really cool wearables doing amazing stuff from location, and and then Firehood with more sort of your biometrics. Um, And I I think the last thing I could think about is I know one of our other partners, um, previously at Texas A&M, but now um, kind of starting his own venture, Caleb, Caleb Holt with SafeTech. Um, he's been making a lot of progress with SafeTech as a whole, which is a, kind of a, a unique uh, initiative, which is empowering uh, startups and other partners to get involved with trying to become part of a consortium to help sort of become uh, active investors, active participants, be more involved within the innovation process. And so Make Safe Tech is something that's been just exciting to watch Caleb. I think we could agree Caleb's just infectious with his, his passion and his, and his soul and hustle for all this. So he's someone that really inspires us within the smart firefighting community and someone that we're very big advocates for, for him and, and the, the success of Make Safe Tech. Yeah, absolutely. I can't. I can't say enough positive things about Caleb and just the impact that he has had uh, on bringing technology to first responder industry, and 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 how excited I am to just watch that impact grow. Uh, you know, make safe tech and everything Caleb's working on is is really a bit. They firmly believe going to change. Uh, you know, uh, how we respond. Uh, and, and everything in that nature. So I'm not really excited to, to watch Caleb to, to help. That's that's another one for, you know, if you're a technology company, make make sure you reach out to Caleb Holt in some capacity. If you need his contact information, just reach out to Kevin or I. Yep, and we'll continue to make all these links and things available. And we want to hear from you, everyone in the community. Um, what are some themes that you want to hear more about? Do you have anyone that's a really interesting thought leader that we can interview? Uh, we've got the podcast equipment. We are eager to create content. You send us an email, we'll create it. Um, so whether it's a tech, whether it's a person, whether it's a concept, whether it's a thing, you know, I'll talk to a wall if I have to. It doesn't matter. We want to create the content. And uh, I think kind of other final closing notes, we have some exciting trade shows coming up in 2020. Uh, we'll be posting more of those, uh, particularly FDIC, Intershoots. Those are kind of the biggies within the fire industry. But there's also all the other small ones, and we'll be at various local shows uh, as well. So I want to hear from you. What trade shows are you going to? Which ones should we be aware of? Yeah, just in the next couple months that are going to be relevant on this podcast. So the first week of February, um, you know, I will uh, – 
be done working with uh, the Texas Drone Task Force, and they have um, a UAS response for disasters training happening on February 5th. Uh, if you are in an agency, um, you know, whether it's a fire department or law enforcement and around the Houston area, uh, I encourage you to reach out. Drone, um, join Texas Drone Task Force. Um, you know, they're doing a lot of mutual aid training. They're doing a lot of joint training. They're having different technologies come out. And, and really, I, I believe that's helping fuel growth and, and response uh, for UAS in, in the service. Uh, another one uh, we have coming up, which is in Vegas, is the ARFF uh, conference. Um, I will actually be speaking at that on Friday. And that is Friday, February 14th, Valentine's Day. My wife is super stoked about that. Um, so if you're in the area, if you're in the Vegas area, or you're attending the ARFF Leadership Conference, uh, please make sure to stop by, listen to a presentation on Unmanned Systems on February 14th. Awesome, Mike. Well, that's exciting. I mean, no better place to be than Vegas on Valentine's Day. No, absolutely not. What about you? Do you have any conferences or trainings or anything like that coming up here? I am actually going to give training on some virtual reality technology this Friday to a community college in Colorado. Great. And then as far as coming up, I'm also have some trainings with the Air Force in California in February. But as far as trade shows, nothing that significant for me. Uh, more sort of just that that road to FDIC. I mean, it's it's January right now, but April, whatever, 15th or 20th or whenever the date is, that feels like tomorrow. It will be. <laughs> but yeah, excited for all the prep for that. Uh, just fired up to begin back in the podcast. I know we've been out of the loop for two, three months, but we've got some really good things planned. Excited for Smart Firefighting and the community as a whole. And we just appreciate you if, you, if you're still listening right now. Yeah. Hopefully you are. And, um, no, we really appreciate the time. Uh, you know, I, I know I really look forward to doing more of these. I know Kevin's always pumped up uh, whenever we're both in the office together, which is rarely, but we always try to sit down and do this. And we're going to make a more concerted effort in 2020 to do more of these. So thank you very much for tuning in. Uh, if there's anything, any ideas, uh, any content, anything like that, feel free to reach out to, to Kevin or I. Our emails are, are all over the place. Um, thanks again, and uh, we look forward to meeting you. Take care and talk soon.